0: I used to like to walk the straight and narrow line I used to think that everything was fine Sometimes I'd sit and gaze for days through sleepless dreams All alone and trapped in time All alone and trapped in time I wonder what tomorrow has in mind for me Or am I even in its mind at all Perhaps I'll get a chance to look ahead and see Soon as I find myself a crystal ball Soon as I find myself a crystal ball Well, tell me, tell me where I'm going, I don't know where I've been. Tell me, tell me, won't you tell me, and then tell me again. My heart is breaking, my body's aching, and I don't know where to go. So tell me, tell me.
1: is going on everybody hopefully you guys are all relaxing out there watching some of the soccer and some of the uh off-season NBA moves uh both have been entertaining me fully the last couple days but you guys are all tuning in today to hear about cards and so let's talk about what we're going to talk about on today's show we're going to talk about uh, I'm going to get out my crystal ball like I'm uh, Miss Chloe, or I can't remember when I was a kid. There was like, can't remember if her name was Miss Chloe. If that was the psychic or the gypsy, that would like you that had like an eight hundred number that would roll on whatever program I, I don't know what my parents had on where gypsy one eight hundred numbers were on. But that was the norms maybe back in the nineteen eighties. Uh, maybe a little less, a uh, le- little less censoring on terms of what ads were showing uh, back in those days, but. I'm going to get out my crystal ball and I'll be Mr. Sports Card Show, Dr. Sports Card Show predictor on what? What am I going to get my crystal ball about? Well, because I don't have a whole lot else I really can predict on that I think with a lot of confidence, I'll give my prediction on group breakers, winners or losers. And am I going to post a list and have like the left side winners, the right side losers? No. No. I wish I could get. I actually would want to do that. Honestly, maybe I'll do that for a later show. I would probably actually. I know I would need some help with that. If you want to help me, sportscardshow at gmail.com. If you, you know, if you have one breaker that you go to and 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 you like them or whatever. That, that's okay. That's almost like a guy that has had one girlfriend giving you dating advice. You know what I mean? Like, he can give you some ideas about falling in love the first time and, and all that stuff. But I want a guy that... Has maybe bought into dozens of group breakers or like 10, 20 of them or done, you know, and done big money with some of them or done little money. It doesn't really matter how much money you spend. If you've dealt with a large breadth of them and you can kind of tell this guy's good, this guy's not good, or all these guys are not good and this, these three guys are good. You can get at me at SportsCardShow at gmail.com. I don't know if you'd want to make it public, but you certainly can make your voices felt on Twitter. And you can get at me at SportsCardRadio. So if if you've been around the block, so to speak, that that you know that, that's kind of almost the guy you want. The guy that's been with like 50 women is like the guy you want dating advice from because he's seen it all more than likely not that the the you know not that the high school sweetheart can't give you dating advice but if i want my tips on group breakers i want the guy that's kind of been around to all of them if you'd like to like to share with me your experience or anybody your experience you you can send it to me you can post it on your own blog i don't really care you make a youtube video um just uh, make me aware of it and uh i'd i'd be, appreciate that anyways so give my predictions on that not only just the – not the individual people. I'll kind of give you my idea on that whole that whole business model and where I think that's evolving to and where it's going. Talk about that. Somebody that uh, used to work for Beckett and that I – I've been on Twitter since 2009 I think. Um, at some point in 2009 I think I, should, I signed up for it. Um, got a job at uh, – I was actually – I actually think I said – I think I um, – said that this company was hiring a couple show. I think it was in, even in the title of the show. So I'm glad somebody with uh, a hobby IQ got one of those jobs. So we'll talk about that briefly. And if we have time, I'll uh, throw in some of uh, this month's releases. And there was a busy day. Like la- I'll just talk about that really quick. There was a busy day. I kind of assumed it was the end of like the sixth month. I think that's probably a critical month for Panini hitting the numbers um, in in terms of their own maybe expectations. And probably uh, with leagues like the NFL and MLB, there's probably some – uh, you know, six month check in period or something like that, or maybe they they lump payments kind of in two pieces and, and the six month kind of makes sense Um, so that everybody had like a release on the 25th, which was like virtually one of the last days you could probably ship a product. Uh, in that last month. So you saw select basketball, hot rookies, football, hot rookies, football. I thought they could have, it was like a mirror of almost like a parallel set of score football. I think they dropped the ball. I don't know how you guys would feel about that. You certainly let me know on email or on Twitter or something, how you feel about this. But, um, I thought hot rookies football would have been better, more aptly named, um, something like score select. I think they could have done that or score premium or something like that or done what they've done in the past. I think they've done a retail version of a score and then they have like jumbo boxes or something like that. I think they could have done that. Uh, I thought the hot rookies I think it, it the reason why I didn't like it. Because I think people saw Hot Rookies on the sell sheet, and then when you went and looked at the checklist, it was basically the exact same cards as um, Score, except just kind of foilized or whatever. Um, so I think it would in you know, a little bit different style, but basically it was just the almost the exact same set. I think... It you know collectors were expecting a little bit more if you would have just called it score premium or score select or something like that and made it seem like the more premium brand of score just kind of a parallel set did exactly the same i have no problem really with the checklist or the cards because the cards have a lot there's a lot of the rookies in there and there's a wide breadth of them not just kind of the a tight group um and it seems like, you know, you get a lot of the autographs out of there and you have a chance at hitting one of the rookies. So I thought it was um, I just thought that the name collectors were expecting something kind of new and fresh. And it was like exactly the same as score. So I think they could have tweaked the name a little bit. SBX football came out. I, I saw that on Twitter, uh, Scooby Cub who used to work for Upper Deck. Now he works for Leaf. He uh said something kind of interesting that I think it was in SPX. There was like a technology that Upper Deck used somewhere else, like in EX or in Metal or some other brand that they use. And he said when he worked there, it was a no-no. It was no-no to put like a Fleer EX and SP Authentic or something. Use the same kind of card technology and kind of rename it or whatever. You kind of wanted to keep that – all kind of in its own thing. And so the, I guess SVX might have mixed uh, mixed and matched a little bit. Um, I think Upper Deck at this point, it's probably due to just lack of staff, lack of creative ideas, lack of licenses that allow them to really go outside the box and, and really expand. I, I mean, it really probably comes down to lack of staffing and lack of just talent. Um, you know, not that the people that work there aren't talented, but a lack of talent of more talent um, probably leads to those kind of things. But anyways, Bowman football came out. I saw a lot of people hitting Johnny Manzel's and stuff like that, or at least that's what people are bragging about. So I certainly would be excited about that as well. I think it's awesome that Johnny Manziel is partying. Here's the, here's the thing that would just blow up football cards here. This year is obviously Johnny Manziel, but I think it's great that he's partying and all these photos. Fo- he's coming out with photos with Justin Bieber and Floyd Mayweather or whatever. I think that's if he if he plays great, if he parties hard and plays even better, that is just gonna. I mean, p- people are hating on him right now, and it's kind of silly, um, but it's just because it's off season. He hasn't played, he hasn't done anything, uh, and that's kind of the culture of the NFL. Um, but I think he's if he plays decent, or and especially plays really well, plays like a Robert Griffin did his rookie year or Andrew Luck did his rookie year. I mean talk about the roof's going to blow up because he's in he is he has merged Johnny Manziel has quickly before he's even played in a professional game has merged himself into popular culture and that that can that that can be your downfall it could it could totally be his downfall it could totally make his cards be worthless you know cuz you can totally be a fad and kind of flame out in popular culture but it can it can be like steroids to Barry Bonds um and we saw how effective those were um being in popular culture being seen with Justin Bieber seen with you know partying in Las Vegas just Partying with women and living the lifestyle that pretty much everybody would trade their life to live. Uh, if he plays really well on the football field, that's going to draw even more fans and more attention his way. So, in the back of in the back of my heart of hearts, I'm actually rooting for Johnny Manziel because I think it would encourage more athletes along the way to be like, why do I got to be all suited up and tight-lift? I'm going to go out and party and have fun and be like Johnny Manziel, and because uh, it's working out for him. So we'll see. I can see how people could be on both sides of the camp and I wouldn't blame you if you want Johnny to tone it down. But I'm one of those people that want him to uh, continue the party. Coming up in July, I don't think it's quite as eventful um, in quite of a wide breadth as June. June seemed packed with – you had like brand new football and you had like a decent amount of baseball. There was pro debut, tier one, uh, series two. So there was a mix of kind of high and low end and and series two obviously is something people really look forward to. And there was also um, Bowman Inception. So it's kind of like a birth month. You had like, oh, you know, new football and, and tops came out with a crap ton of products. So it was an interesting month. July, um, probably predictably, not quite as exciting, at least on paper. But there are some sets on the 9th is tops Allen, and Ginter. Panini Spectra Basketball, which is like a new set from them, is the 16th. Obviously, this can change. I'm saying this at the first of the month, and a lot of these sets will probably come out in August. But you have Elite Football. You have Preferred Basketball, um, which I actually like a little bit. I kind of like how Panini – it's an all autograph set. Um, and and it tends to be almost all at least in years past I think they've all been on card autographed and there's a nice mix of veterans and stuff like that so preferred um probably not for me by the box or by a group break, but certainly there might be certain rookie cards and certain uh different things in there that I think might be um kind of nice um you've got. Prime hockey, I think people are just – hockey guys are just waiting for that. Uh, Bowman Platinum Baseball, at the end of the month, you more than likely will see National Treasures basketball. So there's a mix of everything in there. I think baseball is a little light with just looks like Ginter and um, Bowman from Tops, but you've got, I think, Golden Age right at the beginning of the month if you're a fan of Panini stuff. That – about wraps it up for that segment. I don't think I'm going to take a break because it's just more work on the editing. So we're going to move right into my. I'm going to break out my crystal ball. I've pulled my. I'm opening up my drawer. And I'm pulling out my crystal ball, and it's just the Doctor Sports Card Radio Predictor Ball. And it's always, it's always right. It's always a hundred percent. You guys know if you've listened to this podcast for the last five or six years, you know everything. Every I've said on this show has come true. Obviously, if I had a laugh track, I would would play that because I would say only a small percentage. But we're here not to make 100% accurate predictions. We're here to entertain you. So hopefully we do that with our crystal ball segment on the group-breaking business. And uh, again, hopefully... at a later date, maybe this year with, it's going to be a hot year. It should be a hot year with a little bit more attention on some of the rookies and certainly some of these products, certainly with the NFL and definitely with the NBA. We'll hopefully have a show. We'll have a show here, maybe on our next one off time uh, to, to do this. But the reason why I'm talking about this group break stuff, I kind of bumped the NBA for this group break stuff because Beckett, I noticed Beckett the other day was putting up, uh promoted auctions for a group i don't remember what product it was for but on ebay they posted uh like i don't know a whole case of something some panini product i think uh some football product for panini and they were they were selling into group breaks and for one i i don't know if it'll break any news here for anybody if we had like one of those little pr newswire blasts right here um guys listing group breaks on eBay is against eBay policy. They in fact have it written in. It's, it's a lot of things are against eBay policy and they, they have it spelled out to a certain degree. But um, the fact that they have box break, I, I remember talking to the head of collectibles at eBay uh, many years ago, not many years ago, I would say two or three years ago. I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was January, I think of 2012, I think. Yeah. I remember talking to her about box breaks and group breaks, and she looked at me like I was an alien. And here we are a couple years later, and it's actually carved out into the rules. Um, of something that is not allowed on eBay. So I thought it was interesting that Beckett uh, decided to go that route. I don't think obviously they read through the terms of service because they probably saw other thing As you see other people doing it on eBay and that doesn't make it legal or right. Even if they're a top rated seller, they've gotten away with it for a while. Does it mean they'll continue to get away with it? And does it mean the ones that have been shut down on eBay uh, have had a pleasurable experience? They just don't get on Twitter and, and, facebook and and talk about that experience you probably don't want ebay to come down on you especially after a long period of time of doing something that's against their policies it's probably not a good idea so we'll see if beckett rethinks that idea but regardless of that i thought it was interesting that they that a company like beckett decided to dip their toe in the waters of group breaking and it only made me think hmm what about three four five years down the line and I'll emphasize this point a little bit later, but I think we got the National coming up here in a week or two. I think a lot of, a lot of group breakers, the ones that are still left, say five, six, seven years from now, like 2020, 2025, I think you guys are going to be sitting around either the national or if the industry summit's still going on or wherever you guys decide. To, maybe you guys are meeting up on chat rooms. You guys are going to refer to this area of like 2010 to probably about probably next year 2015 as kind of the golden age of group breaking. Where it was, it was easy to set one up. It was easy to get customers. It was easy to get people to buy uh, your stuff. It was easy to um, compete against other people because the competition wasn't very fierce. But I think that's all coming to an end. I don't know if my I would predict ne- by the end of next calendar year, so almost 2016. But I think you know halfway through next year, so we're looking at 2015 and a half. I think will be kind of the end of the golden age of of becoming a group breaker for many reasons and here's I'll run down I got one, two, three, four, about five, so we'll run them down first of all is is red tape I don't want to call it legal red tape again, they're not gonna bang the gavel in washington d c or in a uh you know a real big court for you guys. trust me, I don't think i I could see some enterprising lawyer or attorney going after this at some point, certainly the bigger it gets. I know that Panini and, and Tops and Upper Deck, they've admitted that this is more than 10, around 10% of their sales. And I certainly could see it even going to 20%, you know, 30%, maybe. Um, and that's a lot of money. When Panini does, says their whole company does 500 million, let's just be, um, you know, not super generous and said they did, 200 million in cards. Well, 10, 20% of that, you're getting into 20, 30, $40 million a year in business running through a group break. Certainly an attorney who wants to make a little money uh, knows it's there at that point. So anyways, I don't see that kind of thing. I don't see some big court case and you guys having to lawyer up. I don't, I don't see that doesn't normally happen. What normally happens is a lot of little stuff. You'll have, some maybe some PayPal red tape you've got to start cutting through you'll have some eBay red tape that you'll uh, have to cut through um, i I had a group breaker claim that uh, eBay's thinking about changing the law on group breaks selling you know they might make it legal quote legal or they might give you permission to sell group breaks on eBay and i I doubt that to be the case because eBay doesn't make laws. Um, Nobody at eBay makes, law. they pay people and they, I guess you could, some people would call it bribe people that make laws, um, but eBay doesn't make the laws. Um, So the people that do aren't doing a whole lot right now, except getting their you-know-what sucked on whatever avenue in Washington, D.C. it is. But anyways, I see a lot of red tape coming you know and and when a lot of little red tape again i don't see some big gavels some big supreme court decisions certainly some supreme court decision hell no on group breaking but i see little nibbles here and there if eBay makes it legal, that'll dry, that'll actually be the worst thing that'll ever happen to you guys. Because any product that gets put on eBay, the price just goes down and down and down. And now your customers will be able to just say, oh, well, I can just go get it on eBay for, you know, like a lot of hobby shops. It used to be you could out- sell boxes and then it was, oh, I could get it at blowout for this much. I could get it on eBay for this much. It'll drive the price down and down and down to where it might not even make it worth it to sell. Where you got to do tons of volume to make money. So... In theory, if you're a group breaker out there, you don't want eBay to change the rule on – you want it to be illegal to sell breaks on eBay. You actually want eBay – you should encourage eBay to enforce the law on group breaks. They should instantly shut those down like if you're trying to sell – you know, like a body part or something on eBay, it should instantly get shut down. You want that kind of enforcement because that's going to keep competition at bay. It's going to keep costs down. Um, It's going to, you know, in in the long run, you actually want eBay to not allow group breaks to be sold. And I don't think they will. Just because people are listing them right now doesn't mean they're just doing it more creatively. And they're listing it. I don't want to say it's legal, but at least they're trying to jump through a loophole. The rest of you guys don't even try. That's what I find funny. So you're going to have to keep jumping through this red tape. You're going to have to present your customers with some kind of Terms of service, you're going to have to do a no purchase necessary. You're going to have to guarantee certain number of cards, certain value of cards to everybody, everybody that buys something from you. So that'll all – not that that all costs a lot of money, but it'll all take a more of your time. It'll make it harder for you to um, – you know, maybe draw in new customers. Um, it, it, it it might clutter up the business a little bit. So I see all that stuff just nipping constantly. Nipping. It's like a little dog. It'll just constantly be barking and nipping at you just for the next five or six years. You'll look back onto 2010 to 2014, 2015. It's kind of the golden age when you didn't have to deal with any of that. You just could open up, you could get your wholesale license and two hours later be ordering boxes or drop shipping them or doing whatever you want That all I think is slowly going to go away as all that slowly goes away. So do margins, you know, over time things just get cheaper and it's for a lot of reasons because they get more efficient. The problem with group breaking is it's, it's hard unless you're busting like all one pack products or all products with only like four or five cards in them. You know, it's hard to really speed up and make that process really efficient. Um, and really scale that up. So your margins are going to shrink, but the work involved and kind of the labor and, and and stuff like that, and your cost for the product isn't going to go down. It's not like manufacturing where if I make ten thousand of them, it's this price. But if I make a hundred thousand, it's it's even cheaper to make them. You don't you don't uh, benefit from that economy of scale as a group breaker, and so that really hurts you um, certainly. Uh, uh, growing the business into something that actually makes a lot, a lot of money. So your margins are going to go down um, as as time goes on. You know, it happens in in the business world that I follow – Commission charges and the it's it's become so easy to invest your money in the stock market. I I can't believe more people just look at it like it's some like you have to be a rocket scientist to understand this stuff. Yeah, back in the day, you used to have maybe you had to have ten thousand dollars, or you had to call a guy on the phone and pay him twenty dollars a trade. You had to know exactly what you wanted to trade and and do all this different stuff. It was kind of you know yeah, it was a rich man's game. Now man, you can get really cheap trades. And I don't know how these uh, brokerage firms and, and stuff make a, a lot, a lot of money. I mean, yeah, I can see how they make a lot of money, but the, the fees, the free, the fee pressure that they're under has just gone down and down and down. So the same thing's gonna happen to my group-breaking friends out there. And I say friends lightly. Um, I, the margins are gonna go, go less. And certainly as bigger brands like Beckett and certainly DA and Blowout, as we know, are already into group breaking and do it. Um, and, and I don't know. I've never bought in or bought uh, – really watched their uh, interaction with customers. But I can imagine they have the ability um, to make your margins even less uh, as, a, as a customer uh, because Beckett makes money from all kinds of things. And they have ways to, you know, Blowout and DA have like email list. Like Add up every group breakers way to – if you have like this many followers on Twitter and, and this many email subscriptions or this many people that, quote, go to your room every day, add all that up for every single group breaker and I guarantee you blowout and DAs, just their email lists are are bigger than that number. And so they have the ability to email people. Beckett is we're talking about a company that's been around even longer and has collected data, probably a lot of customer data through BGS submissions and through magazine subscriptions. So they can send you a card in the mail they could send you a postcard in the mail or when you when they send back your BGS stuff they can send you oh buy into our group breaks and they travel at shows all around the country they could employ a group breaking team that broke it every show or did whatever you know they they could really put a lot of experience and energy behind it i think you're just going to see a lot of competition uh come in that is going to make it difficult uh to stand out and to gain customers over and above uh, some of the more recognizable companies that already exist in sports cards. That brings me to my next point. I think the, the winners, if you're a group breaker or you're thinking about group breaking or that you're thinking about owning a shop, heaven forbid, you don't do that. But if you do and you think part of your business is going to be group breaking, which is probably a good idea um, as long as you figure out a way to do it legally, um, is offer a premium experience. And I think that blows over people's heads, or they say, "Oh, I gotta be like Apple to create a premium experience, or I gotta be Nike to make my customer feel." Su-. No, you don't. You don't need to make super fancy videos, or you know, have sell a million phones every day um, to be a superstar brand. You just gotta think like them. Think about a company like Apple, who, when you buy one of their products, it's often packaged. As well or better than any sports card packaging you've seen. You know, it tends to be rather simple, um, but it's tense, just getting the package and opening up the box is fun. Um, obviously, you're anticipating getting a new phone or getting a new iPad, but they make, they don't just send it to you just in a brown box or just in kind of a blase box. It's a, you know, you can tell they spent a lot of time and money just on the packaging. And obviously, their ads and the and kind of the image they try to project, and certainly Nike is probably even a better example. Their advertisements, that kind of athletes they choose to, choose to endorse, are just have a certain brand image that Nike's trying to project, and they do a really good job at You could do the exact same thing as a group breaker. You're not going to make billions of dollars like those companies, but if you think group breaking is going somewhere, you kind of enjoy it, you certainly should invest in the customer experience. And it's not just selling spots. It's when I buy into a break, I want a quality stream. I want it to be in good focus. I want the I don't want the breaker to touch all on my cards when it, when I pull a good card. Yeah, I want them to show it off to the room, but I don't want you to put your fingerprints all over it. Especially if it's worth a lot of money or touch the jersey or touch, have your fingerprint on the autograph. That's what I hate the most is when there's an autograph and a guy puts his thumb right on the autograph. It's like, man, that's ink. That That's, you know, where they touch the little patch or the jersey. Keep your hands off my jersey. I want it clean. Show me the serial number on the back. Have it, you know, just have it. I've seen breakers with multiple camera angles. That's kind of cool. A premium experience. And then on top of that, when you ship me my cards, I'd appreciate it if they were all in some kind of penny sleeve at least. And certainly the big hits I want top loaded and I want it packaged nice in a box mailer, bubble mailer, preferably with cardboard and some kind of reinforcement or in a snap tight or something that keeps it all safe. And I want to ship out real quick. And those things are all will get harder and harder and harder to do as, the, as time goes on. Trust me. Especially the longer and longer you group break, the more and more like a job it will become. And the harder it will be to get out of bed, especially as margins dip. It'll be harder and harder and harder to get out of bed to pack and ship something for five bucks. You know, you pack and ship for an hour and you made $7.75 at the end of the day. The other sticking point I see kind of creeping in is, is more than likely allocations. You know, uh, like I said on the last show really quickly, is, is Doug, Dan, and my brother host a podcast called Card Radio Live. Um, and you can find it, I think, on blog, uh, blog Talk Network or something like that. You guys know. Um, but you can find it on iTunes and stuff, and that's where I, uh, I end up finding it. Um, but on their last show, which is day. I don't know if they do show numbers or whatever, but you can probably look around the data of this show and, and match it up. But they talked about allocations and how in order to get national treasures basketball, you would have to order a, just a ridiculous amount, like 50,000 or ten thirty thousand 30,000 or $10,000 worth of product to just get one case. So literally you could have spent like a hundred thousand dollars and you would have gotten like Two cases of national treasures, which is ridiculous. Like like last year's basketball, I I don't even know how much Panini, Panini sales were were probably pretty rough. Some months weren't even six figures. Some months. So. Yeah, I think what's going to end up happening is there's going to be more and more of this product, especially if group breaking. like I said, right now it's 10% of the market. I think if it gets to 20, 25% of the market, maybe even close to 30, you'll look at companies, Company, what companies might will end up doing is putting out more product for group, and we certainly see it now. Um, but I think you'll see even a further, You know, typically these companies are a year or two behind the trends because they have to put the product out they have to especially tops they design it and lay it out and and get it all ready to go like six months to a year in advance so i mean when i was talking to tops a couple of weeks ago they were already talking about 2015 soccer and it's like the world cup hasn't even finished so um you know these companies look really far forward in advance and so i think uh they're a year or two behind but as group breaking becomes more and more bigger pe- chunk of their sales um, they'll, they'll, they'll create more higher end products that they know is going to sell through to group breakers because they create less of it. Um, but they're going to be able to sell it all. You know, it's like a national treasures. It'll just sell, it'll sell out no matter what. So they'll start doing more and more allocations. You'll have to do a certain amount, um, through them. You'll have to do, uh, a, a lot of business. And really, you obviously, if you're a, a, a hobby shop owner, Certainly, if you're a hobby shop owner and you consistently sell product, but it's only you know three or four boxes here and there a week or whatever of of a certain brand of a certain sport, you know you you actually are probably doing pretty well. You're doing better than a lot of hobby shops, but you're going to get hurt by that because you're not going to be able to get you're not going to be able to get national treasures. Now your guy's going to literally have to if he wants a case of national treasures, kind of got to do it do a group break, or your hobby shop owner is going to be stuck. Getting it at a price where your your savvy a savvy customer is gonna know oh I could get this national treasures at blowout for much cheaper than you're offering so it's gonna squeeze I feel bad that it's gonna squeeze them out but in a way it it allocations will weed out the the poor sellers that I think need to get weed they'll get weeded out eventually anyways but the barrier to entry to be a group breaker is is like. You just need to be able to have a webcam, and that's about it. So I think um, if we could raise the bar a little bit more, um, certainly getting some of this higher end product, like uh, national treasures, or even you know products that cost two, three hundred dollars, like a triple threads or something like that. It'd actually be better for the group-breaking experience to only let the, uh, certain people get that. Um, I don't know how everybody feels about that. You can always let me know at Sports Card Radio on Twitter. or You can let me know uh, via email, at gmail.com if you don't want your opinions to be known publicly. Because chances are I'll probably respond. Maybe not right away, but uh, I'll go through my tweets um, either at night or uh, the, usually in the morning. Usually right when I wake up, I'll go through them. Um, so I will respond. Um, and if you don't want to be caught up in the conversation, uh, you should maybe send it to me privately. But um, allocations, I think, will end up hurting Group Breakers. So my crystal ball is kind of saying allocations are coming, especially in a year like this year. I think there will be more allocated products. The hotter it is, the more allocated people will want to make it. Um, so even products that don't normally get allocated will get allocated in a really hot year. So I think that will cause – you know obviously, if you're not on the higher end of the volume, you're only going to be able to order kind of the low to mid-tier products or your pricing is going to be – you're not going to be able to play with pricing because you're going to be buying this stuff after the pre-order and after the uh, it comes out on the secondary market and kind of develops a price. So I, I see that if you're not – pushing through volume as a group, you're going to be a loser. I mean, I think that's a given. Um, but I think if you're, you need to keep it – don't have any crazy dreams of this being your job or certainly don't quit a job or promise people you live with or you know, a spouse or, or anybody um, that you maybe pay rent to or whatever that, oh, yeah, I have this job group breaking. I, I don't – I could see you saying, oh, I do group breaking just kind of for fun. You know, Maybe a couple of my friends and, and a couple of random people every time we just do boxes and, yeah, I make maybe a 100 bucks here and there but it's nothing uh, that I'm going to grow. I think that's the attitude to have. If you want to make this your job and you want to pay your rent and pay your bills and pay your food, and then at the end of the day, nobody does Not Almost nobody I meet does this um, that's employed. They you know People that are employed have 401ks and the money's kind of automatically deducted. But a lot of self-employed people I talk to, I'm, I, I ask them, well are you saving for retirement? What where, where are you you know, what are you doing for retirement? And, and it's like I it was like when I mentioned group breaks to eBay back in two thousand eight or two thousand nine. The the head of collectibles kinda looked at me like like I was like stupid. Like I was wasting her time almost. Like what are you talking about, group breaks? And now eBay has policy on, on group breaks. But It's kind of like the same thing. You you ask a self employed person, you know, where do you save your money? What are you saving your money, and how are you building up retirement? And it's like, oh, I'm not, you know. So if you're if you're expecting group breaking to pay your bills, pay your rent, pay for your vacations and all that, and you need to save money too. If you have grandeurs and hopes of that, you need to start pushing through the volume you need to number one create a premium experience for your customers, make it memorable, make it so they remember you in some way some fashion you need to be memorable, whether it's a nice website, whether it's the kind of way you present yourself it could be you don't necessarily have to be a butt kisser, but um you know be you know it's it's part entertainment, so I think. People should go in that direction because allocations are coming. And I think, you again, to kind of emphasize my point, a lot of you group breakers that will probably filter out of the business and, and, and maybe stick around and do some other collecting or do breaks kind of on the side just as for fun. You'll look back and be like, man, it was the golden age between 2010, between 2014, 2014, 2015. That's about when the golden age stopped and it became much harder. Hobby shops. I think hobby shops have the potential to be a second tier winner. And I'll try to describe, I'll describe my first tier winners in the group breaking business. Um, But the second tier winners I think are hobby shops. I think hobby shops would be wise to kind of project themselves more. I think they could, um, you know, certainly it adds a level of credibility. If you own a shop, take photos of the outside, take photos inside, ask customers for their permission to, if they pull a big card to hold it up and show them. The companies Upper Deck, Tops, Panini—they love retweeting that stuff. They love, uh, you know, supporting you guys. That's a built-in way to get gain one great, gain credibility, and it's also a built-in way to attract more followers and, and attract a following that will ultimately end up buying into your group breaks, or maybe buy something else you have in your shop. Maybe you have a selection of singles they want. Maybe you do case breaks and you sell the cards individually. There's lots of ways that um, social media can can. It, can enhance your hobby shop and I think the next generation of hobby shop will will largely look like that you'll have younger people working at them you'll have younger people that have established them and brought them up and they'll be doing a, a mix of online and offline stuff and uh, certainly if you're a hobby shop I think you're you'll win because you might be able to you might be able to separate yourself if you're a if you're a group breaking hobby shop you might be able to separate yourself within your uh, community maybe there's there's a maybe you're in an area with two or three hobby shops god, god bless i mean that'd be that sounds like heaven to me there's like you know the closest hobby shop is is 40 40 minutes away for me um and certainly getting to two or three at one time would take almost all day to drive back and forth through them all. But some of you might be in more competitive markets. And so being a group breaker allows you to have more shelf stock. You know, you might order a case and only sell through eight boxes on a group break. You might have a couple extra that you're able to get at a really good price. It also allows you, again, we talk about allocations, how it might hurt the the more mom and pop hobby shop that only sells they don't order, they order a half case of every product. Well, they're not going to get any national treasures where if you're breaking and you have a shop, you might, you might end up getting two or three cases of national treasures. And so you're able to do a little bit better. So I think a second tier winner certainly are going to be hobby shops. My first tier winner, I think there'll be a, um, I'll think there'll be a group of guys um, and maybe women at some point, I think it'd actually be advantageous if you were one of these companies to actually hire. And I, I don't mean this. I hope this doesn't get taken like sexist or like, I want the girl on there scantily clad. I, I You turn the camera the other way and is really the way to do a group break focus on the cards but I think if you had a a female be your kind of marketing uh, manager or kind of be your face or a presence on your side I think that can only be positive in a male and the only reason why I say that is in a male driven business uh, there's there's mostly males collecting these cards I think having a female if you can employ one that knows a little bit about cards and could doesn't mind probably being the object of affection of all these of these guys gambling for spots on carts if she wouldn't mind all that i would make sure she knew all that before she got her got involved but i think that would be that would be a positive i don't know again i don't want that to come across as i would hire you know you can't be a discriminatory discriminating employer but um certainly there are jobs that women do better than men and vice versa um, that goes along with creating a premium experience, one that stands out. Certainly if there was some gal breaking boxes every day and she was doing a really good job promoting it and, and, and answering real questions, when a, real questions came up, she was there answering them too. That would be a premium experience and a memorable experience. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I think there'll be a selection of guys, um, or like I said, maybe there'll be some women out there that are, uh, that are enterprising too, that, Will, will succeed in this group break. That'll be considered kind of, you know, one of the winners. I don't know who they'll be. I think those guys can fall off the face of the, ma- the map or rise to, quote, prominence or whatever uh, quickly, within a year or two. Um, but it's hard to see which ones will sustain it for five, six, seven years down the road. Um, but I think there'll be a group of guys that will either do it at literally from their, their basement or their home, or kind of a combination. There'll be guys that have hobby shop and break online that aren't that weren't a major bra- that you know weren't a brand name. But I think the number one winners will be ultimately. Honestly, I think it's going to be DA. I think it's going to be blowout again. I've never bought into these guys' breaks. I don't know what it's like. I don't know who they have breaking the cards. I don't know if they speak English or if they use the F word like I've seen on plenty of other ones. But um, I think ultimately they'll figure it out and ultimately they have the business model and kind of the brand recognition and, like I said earlier, the ability to contact people via email or via any number of ways they travel around to shows, all that stuff. They have contacts within the industry. They have ways to get other people to promote them for almost nothing or for free, and certainly people do, certainly blow out forums as as an example of how people, you know, use use they use the forum kind of to drive business i'm sure the forum has made them lots of money just on affiliate ads but it certainly has built a loyalty people that post on blowout forums might feel somewhat loyal to buy from them too um so those are all examples that those companies will do to crush you if you're out there in the group breaking business and you have grandeurs of being big those guys will crush you over time i think if beckett wants to dip their toe in it they'll they'll end up crushing it um I think if Paninian Tops I mean I think that's almost laughable a few years ago and certainly maybe even now but if Paninian Tops wanted to um group break they would crush everybody more than likely this is I, I don't necessarily see that I don't necessarily see Tracy Hackler selling spots into a group break but what I do see almost I I my crystal ball is saying this is like a you know, a four to one shot of happening. So it's it's not great, but it's not bad. Um, that they'll partner with a group breaker, or and they've certainly done that in the past. I think on certain videos and certain things at the national, they certainly were part. But they might establish a more formal partnership with certainly with maybe someone like Beckett, since they're in the same geographical area and they kind of trade employees back and forth. I think you. I think that they will the, that could happen. I think they could partner with somebody, formally partner with someone, allow somebody to advertise on their websites or whatever, um, or do some promotion, combo promotion work with a, a couple breakers or one or two of them. That will affect a lot of the little guys. So, to wrap up my point, group breakers, I think if you you're you're going to look back and you're going to be like it was the golden age. To, and I'll look back in the last 4 or 5 years I'm sure when I'm well I'm I'm like 50 or 60 I'll look back and I'll be like man from 2008 to I don't know it hasn't stopped yet the stock market's reaching or it's at highs and it's going higher I'll look back and I'll say that was the greatest time and I I already tell – I told people back in – I probably even said it on the podcast several times. If you listen to the ones all the way back in 2008, 2009, I was probably saying on there, sell your cards, sell everything and buy into this market because everybody was telling you to sell. And I remember when it was so low and it was – I had bought in and it had gone down even further and I was like, man, I wonder if I'm making the right decision and man, that was a great decision. I, th- I will look back and say, man, it was so easy to make. It was. It was just. It's incredibly easy to make money in the stock market. I mean, you do not even have to know what you're doing. Clearly, if some idiot like me can make money in the stock market, the rest of you with a brain uh, couldn't do so as well. I'll look back. I'll be like, that was the golden age. It's going to get harder. I know it will. I know, I know headwinds are already breezing. I can feel them in the stock market. But I have a plan. I know what I'm. I know what I'm gonna do. I have ways where if it goes down, I probably make more money than if it goes up. And it, honestly, when it starts trending down, it's easier to make money because less people are on that side of the market, and it's easier to make money. Honestly, so I'm actually looking forward to it at this point. But who knows when it's happened. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know my crystal ball is much fuzzier with that because it's so much broad. Stock market is so big and so broad, it's, it's almost impossible to predict um, accurately. Um, you can obviously do projections, and that's kind of what I did today with group break. I think five, six years down the line, you guys are going to look back and you're going to be like, wow, that was the golden age of cards I had so much fun. Uh, it was so easy. I could get a distributor uh, you know, when the, you're going to look back and say, "Man, it was so much better when the distributor didn't even really know me, didn't know what I was buying all this product for. Now it, you're going to have to go through all this red tape, you're going to have to present yourself to a distributor. now there's going to be allocations. There's like I said, that's all the little red tape that is just going to nip at your heels, honestly the threat of it being shut down by a court decision or some law gets passed or whatever. And you guys instantly have to stop the odds of that happening are almost zero. It's, it's slim. It's not zero, but it's, it's very close to zero, but almost guaranteed to be a hundred percent accurate is all this little stuff you guys are going to have to deal with. And that's going to kill your margins. You guys think margins are good right now. Honestly, if you're not running to run a really successful business, um, on anything less than like a fifty to a hundred percent, I really think hundred percent margin for online is is where you want to be. Um, if you're not running there, it, it's gonna be it's gonna get harder and harder and harder. As you get dip under fifty percent margins, or thirty percent margins, or even heaven forbid, ten percent margins, you're quickly gonna start start losing money at some point, or you're gonna quickly decide to get out of the business because it's not gonna be worth it. And what cuts into margin the most, even more more so than competition, you could have all the competition in the world. But like I said, if you create a premium experience that's memorable and that you do a great job for the group breakers, you have a great stream and and it's HD and I can be on my phone and watch it. I can be on my tablet and watch it. I can be on an old school computer and watch it. That that's the kind of experience you want. You want uh, you know nice customer service. If I have an issue or if I you know had a question about something, it immediately gets answered. And the day after the break, my cards are already in the mail and I have a tracking number. The more people that decide to do that, um, the better off they'll do. But it also cut into it also you know you could have all the competition in the world that does that, but. Your margin still could be good. You know, people still could be willing to pay for your product. But all the little red tape, all the little, oh, I have to deal with this now. Oh, I have to deal with, uh, you know, a new payment processor. Oh, I have to deal with allocations. That's one of the biggest red tapes you'll have to deal with. Oh, I'll have to open up a hobby shop. That'll be huge red tape and huge margin uh, compression. So those will just go down and down and down and down to where you end up being where unopened boxes are, where you're in the 5% margin if you're lucky. Before fees, usually, you so you're losing money. That's why you don't see a lot of unopened box sales on eBay because you're literally, if you sell it there, you're going to lose money. But, anyways, that about wraps it up for that segment. Really quickly, just an interesting note I thought um, people that follow Twitter, I've been on there since I think 2009, and I think it appeared Yanks Chicks Y A N X Chick. Um, has decided she was working at Beckett and did a really nice job on the industry summit and certainly a lot of the other little news bits over there. She's moving to Tops, and so I remember talking about uh, the jobs that were open at Tops. I was actually on LinkedIn the other day and they had reposted um i think about 10 or 12 jobs a lot of them were the same um some of them were harder positions to fill like app designers and stuff but i saw a customer service job that was in pennsylvania Uh, most of the jobs are in manhattan new york so you have to kind of keep that in mind like i said if these were in the middle of america they'd be pretty probably decent jobs uh i don't know where the one in pennsylvania i don't know how ritzy of an area but manhattan new york is like you know, it's up there probably with Bel Air type rent. So I'm probably even higher. Uh, so I, I congratulate her and I think it's a good sign. She has a hobby IQ at least. And so that's good. I think the sign that tops is like hiring people. Obviously she worked at Beckett. So her resume probably looked decent and people are probably familiar with her. Um, but I think again, go to LinkedIn. If you need a job, again if I was 21 years old right out of college if this was 10 years ago I probably would uh you know at least apply I'd fly out to New York and, and interview at least if they had me for an interview I'd love to go out to New York have some pizza the steakhouses are amazing there's just food trucks like are like 10 star or five star on Yelp so I'd love to just tour New York for I'd need at least a week out there I would gain at least I would try to walk everywhere so I didn't gain 50 pounds but certainly I I'd I wouldn't lose any weight when I went out there, but um, I'm down. I would be down, but at my time of life now, I'm not into working. I'm, I'm, I haven't had a job since I closed my. I work. I take that back. I worked for a company for two and a half months, and it it went well. Really, I got the job to learn something for my own business and for to make money on my own. And I ended up learning it, and it was a great two and a half months. And I made a little money while I was there. Um. So that was good. And uh, so I haven't had a job in the last five or six years. So I'm totally anti-working, you know. And plus, if you look at the stock market, if you had, you know, just a li- I had nothing. I literally had pennies. I was in debt when I started investing in the stock market. And that's what's a myth. You have to have money and you have to have extra money. You have to be rich. No, I was in debt. I owed people money. And I started investing. That was the smartest decision I ever made. That's how quickly things can turn around for you. Um, so I'm anti working. Otherwise, I'd do it. But I, I, I'd encourage you guys. Tops is tops is trying to hire people it looks like they're trying to hire people with actually a hobby iq not just a lot of their employees recently if it appeared to be probably i don't blame them probably free help or pretty much free you know even if they paid them it was pretty much free um but i i doubt you could have got someone working at Beckett, probably making a salary to move all the way to manhattan all the way she might even be from new york I think she likes the Yankees so she probably at least likes New York and so um they had to offer something that was at least competitive. Uh so uh it's a good sign. And if you're out there and you want a job, you need a job. Honestly, if you you didn't even need a college degree to be overqualified for a lot of the positions there. So um go go check it out. It appears the Tops is at least um they have an IQ in terms of hiring. So I'm very excited uh, for Yanks chick. I hope she enjoys uh, her time at tops. And even if she doesn't, you're in Manhattan. And like I said, there's gotta be, I mean, New York, I have never been to York. It's one of the few places that I am dying to go to. And I hope I, there's lots of excuses that I could just go. If I felt like it, I'd have to take my wife. So that would, that would be kind of expensive, but um, I'd want to stay for like a week, at least a week, maybe two weeks, because I would just be like, I want to eat here. I want to eat here. And you only eat, you know, two or three times a day. Um, so I, I, you know, it's a dream of mine. So hopefully if you have a dream of working in the sports card business, um, you know work at i would suggest instead of becoming a group breaker work at tops you could always become a group breaker later like i said you'll look back and this it'll be the golden age blah 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 but i think it'll be easier if you say hey i'm a former employee at tops you guys remember me and maybe they don't if you didn't have like a public position but you could say hey i was i used to work at tops and now i'm group breaking there's some instant credibility right there and maybe you you probably have built up some connections in the industry that you could use to your advantage so in terms of marketing and getting yourself going as a group so you can always be a group breaker later. S- skip that dream. That, like I said, that dream. If you didn't start two or three years ago, I would end that dream. Unless you plan on opening a retail store and kind of going full bore with it, which I don't recommend. I don't recommend opening a card store. Take it from somebody that – don't listen. I love these people in the hobby that will give you advice on opening a hobby shop that never owned one or let alone ever worked at one. If you worked at one, you probably can give some – credible, certainly give credible advice. But if you've never owned one or ever worked at a hobby store, don't give advice on owning one because trust me, it's nothing – like you think it is. It's very difficult business. Very, very difficult at those low margins. And I was running online then. It wasn't like I was just sitting on my ass trying to get customers in my door. I was doing three or $4,000 a month online. I was selling other stuff. I diversified my business too. Well, wasn't like I was just selling cards. I was selling all kinds of stuff yeah unfortunately for, actually fortunately for me the stock market crashed and that got me into stocks out of cards and you know we look back five or six later and I look like a genius but it did take some balls to to you know when everybody's selling stocks and everybody tells you it's 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 crashing it's done and you're putting money in it's you know it would take the same kind of balls. If you have that kind of balls to have me tell you I own a card shop, it's stupid. You can live a much easier life and you can kick back and do nothing if you just do uh, stocks all day and, and, and trash on businesses all day. You can make more money doing that than owning a card shop. Why would you? But you still want to? Then I would say you probably have balls and you probably have the motivation to at least pull it off. I don't know if you'll be successful. But uh, you'll at least uh, have the wherewithal to pull it off. So to wrap up today's show, thank you, everybody. I got some nice feedback. I always appreciate the feedback. It at least lets me know. I don't go in and check out my stats. I don't care how many people necessarily listen each time. You know, I don't see, oh, this many people listen. And I don't care about that. You know, I put these up and I'm sure some are more popular than others. Or some have more reach than others. But... I appreciate the feedback. Always like hearing back from people. And honestly, the reason why I started this podcast was uh, I had I had a, the one thing I I loved about I I you know I just went on about how owning a card shop kind of sucked. Honestly, the money and the financials was what ends up making it suck. Trust me, it's no fun to start a business and then have to close it. You know what I mean? Like and, and totally go away from it and not just close it and say, "Oh, I'll just do online now." It was like I'm done with this. Um, so. It's tough to do that, but um, the best part of the whole thing is like you'll have people. I had fr- I made friends. I had people that would come in every day and we would talk. They wouldn't even buy anything, or maybe they'd feel they'd often feel obligated to buy and be like, no, don't feel obligated to buy. I'm sitting here by myself. I have the TV on all day. And uh, it got kind of boring sometimes. I mean, certainly midweek. Midweek at a sports card shop is, you know, yeah, you have some people come in. But if you open at 10, 11 a.m., I think I'd open at 11. I think I opened at 10 when I first started. and Then I realized, man, nobody comes in that early. Except on the weekend. I would open up, I think, at 10. I think maybe even 9 on Saturdays. I can't remember. But, um but yeah, most of the people filter in after three, four, five o'clock after they get off work, and it was kind of fun. Um, that was the most enjoyable thing, um, and that's the one thing. If you do open a car shop, that's the thing that you'll you have to look forward to the most. Is people will come in and you hear all the. You have a lot of annoying guys come in, guys that don't want to sell you nineteen ninety tops cases or nineteen ninety Frank Thomases or whatever, and they'll want fifty dollars each for them, but. Uh, It's fun. It's a lot lot of fun. Um, And you can actually, actually opening a hobby shop, I would put out there that you're buying, that that could be one of your advertising kind of ploys is that you're buying, you're buying, you're buying. Because what ends up happening is in your ad, um, a sports card guy that never heard of your shop or, you know, might want to collect cards will see your ad and say, oh, he's buying cards. Well, I'll just go in, you know, I, I don't have any cards to sell, but I'll go in and see what he has for sale. So the ad works that way. But what it does is it brings in the casual guy. The casual guy will be like, oh, yeah, I got a binder of cards. I'll go bring it by next time. You know, I fill up my gas right there. I'll go down there and I'll go to the card shop, see if I can't pay for my gas with these cards. And it'll bring people in whether or not they buy anything is regardless. But a lot of, you know, 90 percent of the time people will bring you crap. Um, But, you know, if you're able to sell crap in grab bags or something in your store, um, it might be advantageous. But occasionally you'll have some people bring you some nice cards and be like a pawn shop. Don't feel guilty. You know, you, if somebody shows you a thousand dollar card and they only think it's worth a hundred, that's on your, I would always tell people, I would be like a lot like the, I watch these pawn shop shows and the guy that owns the pawn shop in Las Vegas, if you bring it in and you want a hundred and it's worth 10,000, he'll tell you it's worth 10,000 and then he'll give you 5,000. I would always do, I would always do that. If you, you know, if, if somebody doesn't know what they have, especially with like vintage cards, uh, but you can get some good deals. You tell them, "Hey, it's worth two hundred in the book. I can get you. You can get seventy dollars if you want to go home and sell this on eBay. You'll get seventy dollars for it, and you'll pay, you know, fourteen dollars in eBay and PayPal fees. And and you know, if you don't have an account, you got to figure out how to set that up. Well, I'll give you thirty right now. And then that's what you do." be honest with people. Um, and I think advertising that you're buying, everybody has cards sitting around in a binder, in a box, or their son left them when he went off to college or whatever it is. Um, people have cards they stop throwing them away. I mean, that's why they became valuable. Uh, the old ones became values because people just threw them away. Now people just leave them in the closet. And so, um, just a small tip out there. If you're, if you're a hobby shop, you can advert. I wouldn't recommend advertising, but you might find the if you're in a smaller town, you might find that advertising in the paper is decent because so many people read the paper, or you might advertise in some kind of mailing. Say that you're buying and tell them to come through and buy because that will often uh, generate more traffic uh, on both ends. But anyways, my small tip there to close out the show. Thank you very much. Um, again, everybody for the feedback. Thank you for tuning in. I hope these uh, shows are enjoyable and, uh, your feedback lets me know at least a few people out there enjoy them. So I'll continue to carry on with them. Thanks again for tuning in. We are out of here.